Hello and welcome to Strange Stuff. My name is Andy. And uh, I'm Mark. down to the business of what we're here for yes you're right it's five o'clock it's thursday and that only means one thing it's go for it well today's hang on you haven't done your intro bit where's the music and all that stuff we never play the music at the beginning i don't know what you do in the week between our recording but if it involves psychedelic drugs, I want you to A, either go to rehab or B, hook me up with your supplier. But you're always telling me off for talking too quickly at the end. And why yes. doesn't that apply at the beginning? Because I, at the end, when I do this... And now... Oops, not that one. <laughs> yep, that's it. I'm not yes. allowed to talk over that. No, because we're recording that live, whereas the intro is pre-recorded and it's the same goddamn intro every week and i just oh. put that in front of our conversation uh, in fact may i make a comment on that a constructive criticism absolutely it's a bit quiet i'm not too sure whether i'm listening to anything or not and then about 20 seconds later suddenly i hear a vague sort of tone in the background i think you need to up the volume or do something what, what, on what the intro on the intro on the intro uh, i think I, when I listen to it, it sounds fine. Yeah, but I listen to it in the car, generally. Um, well, I mean, I'll, I'll listen to an episode on my phone yep. and see what happens. See, see what happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Sorry, I interrupted your flow of whatever it was flowing. I've completely forgotten what we were going to talk about now. <laughs> That's not a good start. Oh, oh, I should say... Uh, as a result of one of our listeners complaining about my apathy, <laughs> apathy towards this whole exercise, I will do my absolute best to sound doubly enthusiastic and engaged in the whole proceeding. Okay, but just to clarify, it was more than one. <laughs> <laughs> or was it? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, I had a little bit of a buzz today. Because... I got recognised. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, God, I can't believe this. I don't think I'm going to take it. Hang on, is your phone ringing? Yes, can you not hear? There's my phone. Oh, Shall I take it and just... Yeah, go on. It's five o'clock. It's Thursday. <laughs> Two weeks in a row... I'll call you back. Hey, Dor. Hey, Dor. What's that noise going on? It sounds like chipmunks. It's the crickets oh, <laughs> filling the it? silence in our podcast. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. What were you saying? You've That's had right. a something or other. Someone complained. No, no, no. No, no. I got recognised. Recognised where? I was in the uh, co-op in Elvdalen. And somebody said, and it was the lady behind the till, and she was serving the lady in front of me uh, who'd forgotten to scan her cucumber or something. And she said, oh, I'll just scan this quickly before I deal with Andy. I didn't know her. I didn't recognise her. And I was like, she said to me, it is Andy, isn't it? I said, yeah, how did you know? 
It's all right, listen to your pod. You're joking. No. Really? Yeah. God, dear, that's a result and a half. There was another extremely tenuous and flimsy connection. Apparently, I work with our old man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, well, that explains it then. Uh, But it was nice to sort of... But did uh, you actually get the idea she had, in fact, listened to some of the podcasts? Oh, she absolutely does. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, uh, good. I'd just like to say hello to Maria. Okay, and also yes. to the old fella, Stefan, who's actually been in hospital for a couple of days, but he's coming out today and hopefully good. back at work very soon. Get Excellent. well soon, bud. Yeah, good, good. No one ever recognises me, that's for sure. Um, it's probably that picture of you on the website, kissing a fish. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Even if they did recognise me, they wouldn't admit to it. <laughs> Maybe they crossed the street. Yeah, possibly. Uh, Oh, dear. All right, we haven't even talked about anything yet. No. What is the subject matter today? Well, last week we were in Russia. So and this week... To balance that off, this week we'll go to the USA. Okay, yeah, well, that's fair enough. Where some of your favourite people live. How are you on um, Cowboys and Indians? Uh, well, that's all right, yeah. Ma- massacring indigenous populations without any regard, yeah. Well, this is more blue on blue. Uh, we're going to talk about the legendary outlaw and robber, Jesse James. Yes, I think I've heard of him for sure. Yeah, and why, you might wonder, or what is strange about the story of Jesse James? Well, for that, you'll have to wait until the end of the story. Mm. But we're going to go into the background of who and what he was and what he was involved in. So, Jesse Woodson James was born on September the 5th in 1847 in Missouri. Jesse and his brother Frank were both educated, which wasn't usual, as sons of farmers in those days. So they were both literate? Yes. So um, they could read the wanted posters? They Well, yeah, but they didn't get that far. Uh, their father, the Reverend Robert James, was a Baptist minister who married Mother Zerelda and moved from Kentucky to Missouri in 1842. In the summer of 1863... Sorry, was a Baptist one of these evangelical types that supports Trump? Well, he wasn't actually around in those days. I think it was more Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) No, but you know what I mean. I don't know what you would describe evangelical. We don't have that in Europe. I don't think religion and politics technically went hand in hand, did they? Well, they definitely do today. Well, yeah, today they do. Oh, well, no, not today, but six years ago, whenever Trump was elected, absolutely. it was That was part and parcel of his success. He got the evangelical vote on board. That's what did it for him. And if you listen to some of the nutters that were calling themselves preachers, oh, my God. Well, yeah, but, I mean, that's been going on since the dawn of religion. Uh, no, you're right. Anyway, but this bloke, Jesse James, he was the son, and his brother was obviously... The son of a preacher. Yes. Man. Yep. Um, Yeah, they moved to Missouri in 1842. Now, about 20 years later, in the summer of 1863, the James farm was brutally attacked by Union soldiers. Union were from the The north or the south? The Yankees. I'm still wondering if that's the north or the south. the north. The The south was the Confederates. Right. Got it. Now, Jesse was 16 when he and Frank became Confederate guerrilla soldiers, 
riding alongside William Quantrill and Bloody Bill Anderson, two very famous Confederate figures. Uh, some historians would accuse Jesse of Frank and Frank of being cruel to Union soldiers, while others argued that it was the brutal treatment that they received at the hands of the Yankees that turned them into a life of crime. Either way, they rebelled against harsh post-war civil legislation and decided to take the law into their own hands. And they began robbing trains, stagecoaches and banks that were owned or operated by northern institutions. So they were still very much fighting their own civil war. So, so sorry, Jesse James's brother was called... Frank. Why would, don't we know anything about Frank? Why is it always people recognise the name Jesse James? If you said Frank James, no one would know anything. Um, well, I was aware of his brother. It's just that Jesse was the leader of what became the, the James gang. All right. Jesse and Frank robbing banks from 19, uh, 1863. There's also been a bit of speculation about the boys and their gangs that they were a bit Robin Hood, uh, robbing the rich to give to the poor, but there's not really any evidence for that. And it's most likely they kept all the money for themselves. Uh, they were operating for uh, over 20 years. Um, really? Yep. From well, without 18, ever having been arrested? From 1860 to 1882, the James Gang was the most feared outlaws in American history, responsible for more than 20 bank and train robberies and the murders of countless individuals who stood in their way. They stole, oh, that's only one a year. Hang on, that's only one a year. Well, they stole an estimated $200,000. Right. They were legends in their own time and popular in Missouri for actively trying to further the Confederate cause. All right. On I December mean, the 7th, go on. No, I mean, it's sort of mildly interesting, apart from the Confederate cause. They were the, they were the slave owners, weren't they, the Confederate cause? Well, yeah, they were fighting to basically keep slavery. Exactly. But then you've, got so, imagine, you've got to remember that in the southern states, the, the whole economy was based on farming and agriculture. And, and slavery. And, yeah, but the slaves were the ones who ran the fields. No, exactly. I don't think they chose to. But anyway, all right, okay. Yeah, anyway, well, but slavery is usually an act of choice. What? Slavery isn't usually an act of choice. No, that's... A, <laughs> so of course they didn't choose to. That's precisely my point. What do you want to but do anyway, today? Oh, I think criminals. I'll go out there and pick me some cotton. Uh, what about I, I you? I want to focus on the train <laughs> robbing and bank robbing. Okay. On December the 7th, 1869, the gang robbed a bank in Missouri in a town called Gallatin. Jesse asked to change a $100 bill and, thinking that the banker was responsible for the death of his old compadre, Bloody Bill Anderson, he shot the man in the heart. Local newspapers labelled the action vicious and bloodthirsty and they called for the gang's capture. And it was from that robbery to the end of their careers that the members of the James gang had a price on their heads, dead or alive. How much? I want to know how much. I $5, wish $5,000. Oh, no, it wouldn't be anywhere near that. Yes, it would. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the Western movies. It's about 5000 Oh, it 000. must be true then. I could, I could phone Clint Eastwood and ask him. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now they're wanted outlaws. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to go through a literal timeline. We're going to jump backwards and forwards a bit because this is background to the real story. Okay, yeah. You so, mean it gets interesting at some stage? Oh, that was interesting. Come on, Cowboys and Indians <laughs> is always interesting. Yes. <laughs> In 1874, Jesse married his longtime sweetheart and also his first cousin, Zerelda. Right. And they that had two children. Bit... Oh, dear. It was very commonplace. In... What, to marry your first cousin? Yes. And in some states, it's compulsory even today. But these two little chaps or girls, they were all right, were they? Yeah. 
All right. As far as we know. Okay. Both the James brothers were known as good family men who loved their wives and spent time with their children, but they also continued with the life of crime. Now, the, the, the reason they were so successful at evading the law for so long was because they were protected by the community. And this this helped, this was also true of the Cray twins back in the 60s. The in, reason, in London? Yeah. The reason they're so successful is because nobody would tell you where they were, what they were doing, or even if they knew them. Yeah, but that wasn't out of uh, acts of... Uh, um, philanthropic acts on their part. It was out of fear. Oh, for the Cray, were- for the Cray twins, it definitely was out of um, a respect and an admiration because they actually helped their community. Cray twins. No, but that's what I mean. Did they really? Yeah, really? they did. I'll tell you what, you could walk the streets of the East End of London flashing a wad of notes and you were safe because nobody would dare commit a street crime in the crazed neighbourhood. Is that right? They or would is come that just down like a ton. No, it's true. They would come down like a ton of, of bricks. Bell's nonsense. Really? Are you yep. sure? Absolutely 100% sure. I've seen the movie. <laughs> yeah. And so you reckon the James brothers had a similar effect on their local communities? Yeah, they looked after their local community and the local community looked after them. They were proud of them because, they, as I say, they were fighting for the Confederate cause, even though the Confederacy was lost. Yeah. Hopefully, you're sort of. I mean, I don't know what your. I don't know what the word is when you're sort of uh, making heroes of people that were in fact criminals. I mean, you've just said he shot that poor old bank teller in the head. In the heart. In the heart. Sorry, yeah. Not quite as serious. <laughs> oh, you're right. Anyway, carry on. Yes, yeah, so he's happily married. He's got two children. He married his first cousin. Um, they teamed up with another. A family of outlaws called the Youngers. Right. And they, even after other gang members had been killed and their friends, the Youngers, had been sent to prison for 25 years, in 1879, the James brothers planned one more robbery with Charlie and Bob Ford. Now, what they didn't know at this time was that Governor Crittenden of Missouri had put together a reward fund so large that the Fords had turned traitor to earn it. And that sum was $5,000. Again, I don't know. For God's sake, these are the most famous criminals around at that time, and you can't even be bothered to check how much the reward money was. It was peanuts. All right, so a lot of money was on a the table. A lot, a lot of table. money. Let's say yeah. you wouldn't turn your nose up at it. Oh, yeah. So after breakfast on April the 3rd, 1882, Jesse, according to legend, stra- turned to straighten a picture on a wall of his home and Bob Ford shot Jesse in the back of the head. Jesse died instantly at age 34. People in Missouri were outraged at the method used to capture him and they considered it a cowardly assassination. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You must have your numbers wrong. If this poor bloke was 34 when he gets shot in the back of the head and he's been a criminal for 20 years, does that mean he started when he was 14? Yeah. Don't forget, he was was fighting for the Confederate Army as a guerrilla at 16. Oh, God. This is the Wild West, mate. It's not... It's not... (laughs) Oxford... (laughs) <laughs> he wasn't Lord Snooty of Oxfordshire. He was Jesse James of the ship pot ranch up the road. <laughs> All right, so this poor bloke gets shot in the back of the head by supposedly a mate. Yes. All right. Um, his brother Frank surrendered to Crittenden about three months later. The juries would not convict Frank out of loyalty and what they called meagre evidence, so Frank was released to resume a quiet life. Really? Yep. And that brings us to this. And now, a word from our sponsors. 
It's quite funny everywhere. <laughs> I know, is that pregnant pause? <laughs> imprinted, exactly, in my brain, smooth my balls. God, dear. I should really contact them and ask them if they, we can do a deal. <laughs> yes, exactly. We talk about them enough. They should be paying us. Uh, so, sorry, uh, are you going to come up with some story that Jesse may not have died on that fateful night where he was shot in the back of the head? Okay, well... When it comes to outlaws, Jesse James was a big shot. Yes. From Beyond the Grave, tales of fake deaths, potential imposters, and a 100-year-old bandit live on in the Lone Star State, where towers of the Wild West thrive. As we know, he was born September 5th, 1847 in Missouri. Yeah. Um, but before, uh, before his professional criminal career began, as we know, he was a guerrilla fighter or bushwhacker for the Confederacy. And while he was romanticised for his daring feats, it's worth remembering that he committed brutal acts against Union soldiers and civilians, including mass murder, scalpings and dismemberments. Yeah, well, that's what I was referring to earlier, that he, you know, you don't want to put these people up as hero figures because they you know some of the stuff they did was pretty ugly well in war everybody every, every side on a, in a war commits atrocities no well yeah i i sort of accept that but but he he actually transferred that into a civilian life didn't he did he or or was it basically uh just transposing his skills into a different career well i don't think robbing banks anyway carry on okay now, you asked me so many times how much the reward was for his capture. And you found finally well, reward, read a line. The reward for his capture was $10,000. Right. I was pretty close. And he was buried in Kearney, Missouri, not far from his childhood home. Or was he? Oh, dear. Do, 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 do. Yep, exactly. Go right for it. Cue. Now, around 1948, a man emerged claiming... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. 1948? Yes. That's nearly 1950. That's, that's 70 years later. Yeah. Right. A man emerged claiming to be the 100-year-old Jesse James. His real name was, maybe, Frank Dalton. Dalton had previously claimed to be... Deputy U.S. Marshal Frank Dalton, but then began telling people he was the outlaw. And eventually, he made the rounds publicly as Jesse James. Now, his story gained traction. Uh, a journalist called Robert Rourke was convinced, and the Merrimack Caverns in Missouri booked Dalton for stunts to support their own folklore that James had hid out there. Based on the physical markings on Dalton's body... Rope burns, badly burned feet, bullet wounds and the missing tip of an index finger. One Sheriff Oren C. Baker believed the man was truly Jesse James. Moreover, Baker had been meeting with Dalton in the days leading up to his death. In the Hood County News tablet in August 1966, Baker wrote that Dalton worked the railroads near Granbury as a younger man and fell in love with a girl. She eventually died, but he wished to return to that area at the end of his days to be buried next to her. Although if that is true, it wouldn't really fit within the known timeline of Jesse James' criminal activity. But right. regardless, in 1983, a granite stone was placed on Dalton's gravesite in Granbury, Texas, which reads, Jesse Woodson James, September 5, 1847, August 15, 1951, supposedly killed in 1882. Hmm... 
The ceremony dedicating the stone was attended by a group of people purporting to be relatives of Jesse James, including Ola Everard, who thought Dalton was the real deal. As reported by the LA Times, Everard claimed she knew Uncle Jesse in the 40s as James and Dalton made contributions to the Missouri governor, Thomas Crittenden, she said, which helped the criminal fake his death. James stroke Dalton instead set up another crook named Charlie Bigelow to stand in for his death and that is who is buried at the Mount Olivet Cemetery in Kearney, Missouri. It can't be that difficult to do a bit of DNA testing to see if this is all nonsense or it's actually got a grain of truth attached to it. Well, seeking to put the story of Jesse James' imposters to rest... Forensic scientists yes. exhumed the Kearney body in 1995 to gather teeth and hair for a mitochondrial DNA analysis right. against a descendant of James's sister. Yes. The test confirmed that the body in Kearney, Missouri was the real outlaw. So he did die with a shot at the back of the head. Well, this analysis wasn't enough for car salesman historian Bud Hardcastle. With the support of James' purported grandsons, Hardcastle sought to exhume the body buried in Granbury, Texas. Yeah, this is the one who died in 1951. Yeah, the 100-year-old who died in 51. Yes. Right? And... Okay. The effort began in 1996, and in 2000, the court finally approved it. Yet a grave error occurred. With a crowd of more than 100 people gathered to watch, according to the Oklahoman, two caskets were discovered about three feet under the ground. One of the caskets was in a sealed vault, which was unexpected because records show that the body was buried in a cloth-covered redwood casket. The sealed vault casket was clearly under the headstone marked Jesse James. However, the second casket, found about 18 inches away, was wooden but unmarked. Since the sealed casket was the one under the correct headstone, Hardcastle's anthropologists and crew removed it to a secure area and investigated its contents. Well, it wasn't Jesse James. Instead, they discovered the remains of William Henry Holland, a one-armed man who died in 1927. It turns out that the gravestones had shifted over time, causing the mix-up. And because the court order allowed for only one exhumation... Dalton was not allowed to be dug up and Holland was reburied. All right, well, that seems like a pretty weak ending to this story, if it is the ending. Two added weird bits were Holland's birth year was the same as James's death, 1882, and also Dalton's arm, which he lost when he was 13 years old, has its own burial site in the Granbury Cemetery. All right. So is the common belief that this bloke who lived to 100 was, in fact, Jesse James? A lot of people believe it was. And if you ever get yourself down to Texas and get into the Ripley Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, yeah, Jesse James's gun was added to the museum 19 years after Ripley's death. And the small pistol had been discovered under the floorboards of the house in Clay County, which is now a Jesse James Museum. All right. So, I don't think I'll ever be getting down there, I have to say. If, I mean, if you believe that James died in 1882 or if he faked his own death and lived on in the guise of Frank Dalton, it depends on who you ask and which grave you think believe, belongs to the real bandit. It's I wonder question. what this bloke Dalton did for a, a living because once you've been a bank robber or a train robber, it's quite difficult to sort of immediately revert back to a normal family existence and get a job at a grocery store or something, isn't it? Uh, 
I would imagine it's not easy. What is it about leopard and its spots? It's difficult for a leopard to change its spots. A leopard never changes its spots. Well, there you go. So maybe he did a bit of bank robbing on the quiet, this fellow Dalton. Possibly. Um, the oh, da- actually, Frank Dalton is another outlaw name that's quite famous, if I'm not mistaken. There was the Dalton gang. Mm. But as I say, he was posing at least, he was posing as a US Marshal for some of that period of time. What? He turned his, he turned, what's it called? He turned. Yeah, he, he, the, he, he turned copper. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, that would make sense. Criminals generally make quite good policemen, don't they? Oh, well, policemen usually make quite good criminals. It's probably more accurate. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, you're right, I suppose. All right, so that was all kicking off. And he died in 1951, did he? I like, I like, I like the 100-year-old Jesse James story. Oh. I like to think he was around for 100 years. Well, you're trying to, purport the, to um, promote the idea that crime pays, are you? If you think it doesn't pay, can I point you in the direction of the United Kingdom's government cabinet? (laughs) We're back to that. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. He got his, uh, Johnson got his arse handed to him by Biden. Well, that was never going to happen any other way. Biden made his his point of view very clear when he was second in command to Obama. No, you're right. Absolutely. Because Biden obviously uh, recognises and respects the Irish situation uh, far more than uh, Boris Johnson. But it was just funny that um, having got no result at all, they had to come up with some nonsense about the US has allowed, is it Welsh lamb into oh, America? Yeah. For I the mean, first time since scrape- BSE. Exactly. Talk about scraping the bottom of the barrel for some good news. Yeah, that's got to be worth about 40 quid a year. In exactly. Exactly. No, he really did get his ass handed to him on this trip. It's all nonsense, anyway. Yep, it's all nonsense. Well, and talking of nonsense, um, any speculation about Jesse James will have to be in your own head because we've come to the end of our little tale for today. Oh, yes, you're right. I forgot all about Jesse, who died in 1951, apparently. I hope so. Uh, well, sort of, yeah, sort of, yeah. From a romantic perspective, it would be nice to think that, yeah. So if you enjoyed our little story... Make sure you tune in for the next one. Uh, you can yes, and ca- I, I hope on. I sounded more enthusiastic and engaged today. <laughs> I've made a real effort to stymie any criticism that may be levelled against me. And if you see Mark out in the street, don't forget to say hello and ask for his <laughs> autograph. <laughs> oh dear, that was a good one. Yep. You can catch us on our website at www.strangestuffpodcast.com where you can also find links to our instagram our email and our twitter please feel free to message us or let us know that you're out there because at the moment i just think we're talking to each other (laughs) yes if you've got anything you'd like us to talk about let us know in the meantime have a very strange week and we'll see you next time 